I thank you for every lady in this place, Lord. I ask right now that you prepare hearts and you prepare lives, God, for what it is that you have to share tonight. Use me as a humble, sincere vessel unto you to share your word, to clarify your name, Jesus. We give it all to you. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. Oh, I'm excited to share with you all tonight. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you all are here. So... Um, at the end of this school year, I will have been a high school teacher for six years. Yes, high school kids, not the little ones. I like the older kids better. You can talk to them better. Um, and at the beginning of my teaching career, I had this one young lady, and she was really special to me. Uh, she was super sweet, very funny. She was a tough young lady, um, and she was always willing to help. But we had a really big problem. She was a huge potty mouth, uh, like a big potty mouth, okay? Uh, very, very vulgar, uh, very just not tactful, okay? And she was only like 14 years old. And almost every other word that she wanted to say was some sort of cuss word. So, of course, being in the educational setting, that's frowned upon. So we have certain rules and guidelines and expectations of the kind of language that is and is not allowed inside of school. And almost everything that she wanted to say was not allowed in school. Uh, so... I, as a teacher, feel like I sometimes have to use my judgment on whether it's just like, you're going to the office, or you know what, like, I'm going to show you some love today, I'm going to show you some mercy, and I think that if we have a logical conversation, we can make some progress here. And so that's really what I always felt with this little girl. I always felt like I, there's something that I just need to communicate with her. It's not going to do her any good just for another person to say, go away. Um, and so we coined this phrase in my class, classy, not trashy. So anytime anybody was getting out of control in any way, we would say, classy, not trashy. So we would have to remind her quite often when we could tell, because we all in the room, there was just a few of us, we could tell when she started to get a little bit extra that we're like, classy, not trashy. And she was a good sport about it, and she was very respectful to me, and we had a great relationship. So for the most part, it worked out very well. However, one day, she exploded. It was ugly, and she did not hold back, and she had had a really bad day and just word vomited some ugly stuff out loud. And so I had to pull her aside, and we had to have a conversation like this behavior warrants a referral. This warrants disciplinary action. We, I, my mercy and my love for you can only go so far because I want to take care of you, but I have to also look out for the masses. And there's kids in the room that don't want to hear that. Um, and there's a certain way that we behave. So I told her, I know that we joke around a lot with our classy, not trashy slogan that we have, but just from me to you, and this was thankfully we had that good respect level with each other, you sound trashy. And I told her this. I said, you need to know what perception people are having about you because of the way that you're talking. And she looks at me and she's like, Miss G, if you think this is bad, you need to meet my mom because she's the trashiest lady you're ever going to meet. And I'm like, ah. 
okay. So it's like in that moment, I was not the one teaching her lessons. She was the one teaching me a lesson. And I realized that she was the byproduct of her environment, okay? She was the byproduct of her upbringing, of her background, of her circumstance. It was because of mom, okay? Because of mom, she spoke this way. She had no problem with it. This was her norm. So she was mimicking the person who was the greatest influence in her life. Her mom was the source and the start of who she was because of mom, So how many of you today feel because of someone, your parents, your husband, your children, maybe your job, your circumstance, your background, or your situation, that you are where you're at or you are who you are because of those things? And how many of you relate in some way to this little girl's story? Because we are a byproduct of what we're around, of who we are around, We are a byproduct of our greatest influence. And so I ask you today, who is your greatest influence? Your source. The person that you mimic. Is your life because of your parents? Is it because of mom? Because of spouse? Of your kids? Of your job? Your ethnicity? Your background? Or is all the focus of your life because of him? Okay, because of God. And the Bible tells us that everything that we are and everything that we do should be because of him. He should be our ultimate priority, our ultimate source, the one from which all things should flow. He should be our influence, the center. We should be imitating Jesus. And unfortunately, my student did not have the greatest source. And this is not a knock to her mom. This is not a knock to her. But the truth is that we are not living in fullness of God if he is not our number one. If he's not the influence um, and the focal point of our existence. He has to be our priority. So it's because of him that we're created. We are offered salvation and hope, and if we choose to accept God as our personal Lord and Savior, we have a responsibility to follow him in the way that he instructs us to do so. And it's not enough to just believe in him, which is what we see a lot happening today. Um, We have to accept him, and then we have to see a life change from that acceptance. A constant life change must happen And our relationship with our creator, our father, is a process. And it requires effort on our part. A complete and total surrendering to his will. So therefore, because of him, we will do essential things to our walk with God. We're going to talk tonight about five essential things that we do um, if we are making it all because of him. So we're going to look at Matthew 22 36 through 40. And I love this verse. And it says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And this is Jesus talking. Jesus replied, Well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law 
and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So, if you want to follow what this verse says, to love God and to love others, and if you want to have true and intimate relationship with God, then it's vitally important that we take care of these essentials that we're going to talk about. And I want you to please take note, and I say this all the time, intimate relationship with God, um, because I want to see you so full of joy and confidence in your relationship with him. It's not just knowing his name or that he exists or thanking him on occasion or communicating with him once in a while. No matter whether you've been serving God in some capacity your whole life like I have, or if you just got saved a week ago, our relationship with God is a process, and there should never be a time in which we are staying stag- stagnant in these areas, but we're constantly elevating in them. So as we go through each of the essentials, I want you to reflect on specifically where you are with these um, in your own life and what needs more attention when you leave here tonight. So the very first essential that we are going to talk about is because of him, I will obey. So because of him, I will obey. So what exactly does the word obey mean? Obey means that we are going to follow the commands, guidance, or request of a person or a law. We are going to submit to the authority of someone or to behave according to the rule, law, or instruction. So if you're not following God's commands, you're not living in fullness and completeness with him. And so we're going to look at James 1. And James 1, 22 through 25 says this, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So what we see is this doesn't mean that we're living in perfection that we're immune to sin, or that we will never be tempted. But what it means is if we're making the best effort to live by the guidelines set forth in this word, then he is going to be with us. And as simplistic as it sounds, it's the same logic as a parent giving their rules or their expectations to their children or a teacher setting guidelines and expectations for her students. They aren't meant to control, no matter how many times they tell me that's what I'm doing to them, or to suppress them, or to hinder them, or to stifle them. But the rules are meant to protect them. Okay, and they don't always see it, but that's what they're there for, and that's what his rules are there for for us as well. Through guidelines and expectations, we show love and correction and discipline and boundaries to young people, we're in essence showing them that we care. So rules in the workplace are meant to keep order and to keep safety. And that is what God is doing. He in turn shows how much he loves and cares for us in the commands he sets forth. So obedience then is when we voluntarily follow the commands set forth, not out of obligation or fear, but out of respect for the one who set the guidelines. 
We're acknowledging that he is good and they are good. And obedience means we're listening to the guidelines that God set even when there are not godly people around us. Because we're all good today. It's what are we going to do when we go home? Y'all are all like nicely dressed today. <laughs> we have a responsibility to be diligent and mindful in our obedience. Because we're given many instructions in the Bible. And what we often see is that each of us has a particular rule or commandment or guideline that we specifically struggle with. And the thing about obedience is that you're going to have to um, step outside of yourself and put your reliance fully on God and let the Holy Spirit take over and do a working in your life. Um, so not only are we obedient to the Bible, but um, to the Holy Spirit the one who directs and guides us through the things that are addressed in the Bible and the things that are not. And oftentimes our obedience is hindered by our desire to be in charge or our stubbornness or our need to understand every detail of the plan or our lack of relationship or the pleasure that sin brings. So is there something that is hindering your obedience? Because when we leave here... We are stepping into a world that is in chaos, that's in sin, that's in darkness, where we see pain and we see struggle. And that includes ourselves, in our families, in our workplaces, and we have to stay in obedience to him daily to see victory. <laughs> All right, so we first see that because of him, I will obey. So we're going to look at the second essential. Because of him, I will grow. Because of him, I will grow. So to grow means to spring up and develop to maturity or to increase or to expand. So we grow in a couple of ways. We grow, of course, by reading the Bible. We grow by going to church. We grow by having godly relationships with godly people. And we grow through prayer and through worship. So let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the Bible, oh, I brought my tangible one today. The Bible should be our ultimate reference for everything, okay? It's the manual by which we live our lives. It is our instruction book. And if we don't know what's in here, we will not know how to do all the other essentials of obeying and praying and worshiping and serving. They kind of all work together. So you have to know what it says to be obedient, to know how to pray, to know how to worship. And we have to know God's instructions because I, I don't want you to distrust what I'm saying. I want you to know it for yourself. I'm just giving you very little snippets of quite a large book. And so you have to know it for yourself and go forth from that. And please do not live off of my relationship with God and do not live off your pastor's relationship with God and do not live off the relationship that your grandmother has with God. He has to be your God. And I am here to just point you to him. I don't want you to remember me. 
I want you to remember him. And a lot of you came to support me and to love me, and that's great. I'm glad you're here. And now I want it to be because of him, all because of him. So I want you to read it, and I want you to memorize it, and I want you to go over it with your spouses, and I want you to teach it to your kids, and I want you to read it, and I want you to listen to it on the phone, in hardback. All the young people say, now, you don't need to carry the hardback. You have the phone already. Don't follow a cause that you don't know about because faith is necessary and confession is needed, but to elevate You have to let these words fill you. You have to. It can't be just on Sundays and Wednesdays on occasion. Um, Because living for God takes effort. It's so much more than believing he exists. It's a life change that follows every word, every punctuation mark in the God-breathed text. So if we aren't growing on a daily basis, then as silly as it sounds like the world is going to eat us up. Okay, and sometimes even in being diligent in things, the world gets us down and brings us down and hurts us. And so we have to be on guard and we have to stand firm because the flesh is powerful, but our God is the ultimate power. And growth means that you are acknowledging that there is more and you're working towards it every day. It means you're reflective, that you're honest with where you are and with where you stand. And it's okay if you're further back here and you need to go further that way, okay? Um, Growth means that you're learning more and you're being molded and sharpened into his likeness. And we have things in the church to help you do that. Yes, it's individual, but we have things as well. So you need to be going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, and you need to be joining um, in different groups to help you to foster that because our relationship with God is our craft, and we work daily to refine it. All right? So what we know, first of all, is that because of him, I obey. And then we know because of him, I will grow. And the next thing, because of him, I will pray. Because of him, I will pray. So pray means to address someone with adoration, with confession, or thanksgiving. To make a request in a humble, okay, emphasis on humble manner. So what is prayer? Prayer simply means that we are communicating with God. And this can be verbally or this can be internally. So let's look at what the word says about prayer. So we're going to look at 1 John 5.14. And this is what it says. And it says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. When we ask for anything that pleases him. So why do we pray? We pray to build relationship with God, of course, to converse with him on a personal level, which still really blows my mind that the sovereign Lord allows me to communicate with him directly. And second, we pray because he told us to, and that goes back to the, to the obedience part. We have to be obedient in all of these things to have true, fully committed relationship with him. So we pray to give thanks, and we pray to give praise, and we pray to repent, and to make requests, and then to intercede for others. 
Because God wants us to be involved in the process. And the more that we pray, the more that we have a heart like his. And so we have to be in sync with God. And pray for God's will and the grace to follow it. So when do we pray? All the time. We pray on a regular basis. And 1 Thessalonians in 5.17 goes so far as to say, pray without ceasing. Never stop. Constantly. All the time. So the regular basis means daily. Multiple times a day. And this can be those short, quick prayers or those very meaningful, designated, purposeful times with him. And taking note that prayer is the two-way street. We're talking, but we're also listening. And I think, and I, and I ask you to think of a person or people who you have the best relationship with. Who's that person? And I would venture to say you best communicate with those people and communicate with them on a frequent basis. I talk to my best friend almost daily. If I can do that with an earthly person, then... My God deserves so much more than that. Okay. If we want our prayers to be answered, then we have to pray the way that God commands us to. And we need to be in right standing with him. So how do we pray? With honesty, with truth. Because he may be a big God, but he does not need big words. And there are no stipulations Open your eyes, close your eyes, sit down, stand up. It doesn't matter. My greatest moments of prayer happen in the car as I'm driving. Um, And pray individually and pray with each other. Pray for God's will. At times when words don't come, simply call in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus has all the power that you're ever going to need. And prayer builds faith. Be consistent and be bold in your prayers. And I remember uh, seven years ago, me and my brother and a couple of the young people, we went to be youth sponsors at youth camp. And we had a great time. And every night they encourage and have altar time for the kids. And I'm up there praying for some kids. And I turn around, I get tapped on the shoulder, and it's my brother. It's not one of the teenagers. And he comes in the most sincere way I had ever seen him come. And he's like, I am going to give it all to God. And I want you to pray for me, right? Like, I'm telling you right now, the calling that the Lord has placed in my life, I'm not going to play around with it. And I'm giving it all to him and pray with me and unite with me right now that I fulfill that calling. And it was a very special moment between siblings. And I didn't tell him, but for seven years, I prayed for him that the start of his ministry would be in this church. For seven years, and if you go to this church, you know that Jacob is our young adults pastor. For seven years, I prayed for that, saying, Lord, this church is the place for him. Let him grow with the people that have been molding him and and loving on him, and now he's here. And it took seven years, the prayers of a sister, and it's encouraging. I want you to be encouraged by that, that he has plans and he hears us, even if it takes a really, really long time. Because seven years to a young person seemed like eternity. It really did, Uh, but I stuck in there, and it's exciting, and I cry, and I thank God every time I see him stand up in front of people and share the word of God. So pray in joy. It's a privilege, and it's a responsibility that we have, and what an honor it is to speak to our Lord 
whenever and to know that he cares. What an honor. So we know that because of him, we are going to obey. Because of him, we are going to grow. Because of him, we're definitely going to pray. And because of him, we are going to worship. What a powerful thing worship is. And what is worship? Worship means to honor or to show reverence to someone or to something. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. True worship comes from living a life surrendered to God. Worship does not start during the worship part of church service, okay, but is a byproduct of a life of worship, a life showing complete honor, respect, reverence for an almighty God. And that means that we're showing honor and respect in the words that we say, the things we think, and the actions that we take. So this is what the Bible says on worship, Psalm 100. Psalm 100 says this, and you get like really excited when you read it. It says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his court with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. That's including us. So worship then is giving devotion and admiration to God. And yes, That can and should be in private and corporate singing of songs. But it's also our daily existence, and that's sometimes what we're missing. We show honor to God by the way that we treat people. We show respect to God in the way we conduct our work. We show reverence in prioritizing time with him outside of the church setting. Because the Lord is holy and he deserves our praise. And the music is not the most important part. It's the life. The music's not the most important part. It's the life. A life of worship means we're serving God wholeheartedly in public and then most importantly in private. Because a person who worships is God-centered all the time. And by nature, by nature we struggle with obedience. But prayer and worship strengthen that in us. And so when we're living in obedience, even if it's a struggle at first, we go from I have to do something to I want to do something. So it may be something you have to force yourself to do tonight. I have to read the Bible. And it may be something tomorrow that you have to get yourself to do. And then the next day. But in being obedient in that, it's going to go from I have to to a want to. And we worship, we honor him in the waiting. We worship and honor him in the suffering, in the happiness of life. Because the true test of worship, the power of your worship is not here, but the power of your worship and your lifestyle out there. When we're not all in here to be with you and to like hold you um, and be a support for you. 
All right, so we've come to the last one. So we know that because of him, I will obey. And because of him, I will grow. Because of him, I will pray. Because of him, I will worship. And finally, because of him, I will serve. So what does it mean to serve? To serve simply means to be of use. To perform the duties of an office or a post or to provide services that benefit or help. So this, of course, means that we are serving God 100%, but we are also serving others. So let's look at what 1 Peter 4, 9 through 10 says. And it says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) Don't grumble when you do it. Okay, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. So the great commission then is to spread the gospel into all of the world. That's our ultimate goal. Yes, we should be obeying and praying and worshiping, but in solid faith with God, we should be serving and telling about him. So we have to step it up in caring about people because that's something that we struggle with as women, as society, is that we're not caring for the individuals around us because we have become self-centered as a society. Um, What can I do to be successful, to be financially sound, to hold status or honor? And those things can be fine, but a universal purpose we have as Christ followers is to serve others. And we serve in all settings, in school, in work, with our children and our families, especially with strangers and then in established volunteer roles. Somebody served very well tonight to me. One of the ladies brought me a snack, you guys, because <laughs> she didn't want me to be hungry tonight. And it may seem silly and trivial, but this was like, this meant so much to me, that somebody was at home and thought of me and wanted to show me that much support that they brought me a snack. And that's, this is the simple love that we need to show people. It's not these like grand like gestures or these huge volunteer roles. Like you take a snack to your coworker and you're showing them love. And so I'm going to eat this right after I talk with you all. Okay? Not right now because that would be weird. So, so we're going to show care. We're going to show love and kindness to all. Then you're going to identify the specific areas where you can serve people because we all have a place that we can serve. And we serve because we want people to experience what we have. We don't want to keep this to ourselves. If you're truly in relationship with God, give, show it to other people. So why do we serve? Because God directs us to. Again, all the way back to obedience. Showing love And participating in tangible acts. Because our ultimate goal in serving should be to show love to a lost world. To a broken world. And there is the opportunity for hope and salvation for them in the Christ-like love that we show people. So what I have used 
as an excuse oftentimes for why I don't do some of these things, for why I don't read my Bible more, why I don't pray more, why I don't put worship music on more, is that I don't have time. So no condemnation to any of you if you've said it, because I've said it many, many a times. Um, And this is going to potentially hurt some of you, because it hurt me when I, like, epiphanied. But um, if you're saying that you do not have time, to obey or to grow or to read your Bible or to worship, then what you are saying is several things. One of these things, that either God isn't a priority, that we are not organized, that we're being lazy, or that we really do not care. Okay? The I don't have time excuse does not work for I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. Those are just the must. Because if we do not have our relationship with God right, And if we don't have a focus on these five areas because of him obeying and growing and worshiping and praying and serving, because these are a byproduct of salvation, of a life change, and of a complete surrender to him. These are necessary areas to focus on for our well-being and then to bring him glory and to bring him honor because these lay a foundation to our walk with him. And if we aren't focused on these areas, we aren't able to be effective in navigating this life and standing up against that world that we said was broken and in sin and lost. So are we doing our part? Because he has done his part. Let him reveal more of himself to you. And he's a gentleman and he does not force us. Because you have a choice whether to participate in these activities or not. And he is our creator and our savior and our everything, whether you choose to live right with him or not. That doesn't change that. And I don't want to see you struggling day to day, defeated and constantly saddened or angered or hurt. Because I want to see all of us filled with joy and filled with victory. Not because our life is perfect, but because of him. Because you serve a perfect God who promised to never leave or forsake you. So because of him, you are more than your circumstance, your situation. Because of him, you're more than your past choices or your pain or your anger. And because of him, you have value and you have worth and you have a purpose. You are powerful and you are victorious. So you can make this life count and live eternity with him. And one of the things that I love the most about my God is he is always good. He is always good. He's attentive and he's supportive and he's encouraging and he's loving And he is ours, and we are his. And he is the perfect partner. So I want to see us experience more of him, because there is even more. For the ones who started serving him when they were a little girl to the ones that started last week, there is more. What would your life look like if you were doing everything because of him? I'm going to say it one more time. What would your life look like if you were doing everything because of him? And my challenge for you today is to identify where you stand within each of these five essentials to our walk with him. Because there is room to grow 
And I don't want anybody to get overwhelmed or to take these things lightly. So just pick an area tonight and start developing it tomorrow. Striving constantly to have that intimate, purposeful, reflective, growing relationship. And all that we are and may all that we do be because of him. So because of him, I have life. So I will obey, and I will grow, and I will pray, and I will worship, and I will serve because of him. We do this because, we do not do this because it's the checklist of the Christian life, but because of him. And these do not create salvation. They are the actions after salvation to foster relationship. So we verbally worshiped earlier. And I hope that you're growing and you will continue to grow and take something from practical application to scripture. And now what we're going to do is we are going to go into a time of prayer. So I'm going to ask that uh, the prayer team that I have asked to come up to the front. Okay, nobody get freaked out. Everybody stay with me. So these ladies have been praying for you all. They have been joining with me. And so, ladies, if you have a prayer request of any kind, I want you to let one of these ladies partner with you tonight. Let's share each other's burdens and lift each other up. I want us to spend time praying individually and find someone to join in prayer. Because coming to the altar, which is what I thought when I was a little girl, coming to the altar, I thought it was showing weakness. But the act of stepping out in faith does not show weakness, but belief in the strength of our God. So pray for a family member. Pray for a person in need. Pray that a new passion is ignited in you in these areas. So I invite you to step out again, all because of him. women father I thank you for the opportunity for trusting me to stand here tonight and to serve them and may I do it well not looking at me but looking at you father for it's all for you all for your glory all for your purpose may we leave here tonight fully surrendered fully dedicated and focused on essential living for you. That we remember what it's all about. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for hope. We praise you. We give you all the honor, all the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen.